Last night I got so drunk, the homies came over and I woke up and I didn't have a hangover. Everything was all good. Man, I checked my vital signs, I checked my bank account and that shit didn't have a minus sign. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 67 of the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today, I am joined by Brett via Zoom. Brett, what's going on? I am good, my mullet-wearing friend. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, just got out of work, picked up some chocolate milk. Uh, so we're, we're, doing, we're doing good right now. Um, we have an interview after our, uh, just not really a Brett's question, just a question in general, um, kind of a, a list. But we've got an interview with strength coach Bruce after this. So stay tuned to that. Stay tuned for that. But uh, before we actually even get into that, um, we are taping this on Tuesday. Uh, the Jake Paul. Uh, did you see the announcement? Jake Paul? Yeah, Was it Jake Paul or Logan Paul? Oh, Logan Paul versus Mayweather. I mean, I get him confused. Yeah, that got announced last week. Um, oh, really? I just got the Bleacher Report thing about it. Yeah, it's in June, right? June 6th in Miami. Yeah. Um, the one thing I find kind of interesting is that Floyd can't even go up like past a certain weight. Like Floyd can't go past 160 and Logan can't go past 190. Like that's such an odd rule to make. It really, I, you think Floyd's going to rip him up? You go. You think Floyd's going to rip him up? I don't know. Um, I don't watch too much boxing, but from what I, I'm really trying to get into boxing. I've had the zone for a while now. And I'm going to start watching those documentaries. Um, but from what I know, I believe Floyd's more of like a defensive boxer. So he's also fifty and zero though, which is cr- like imagine being fifty and one, and that one being the Logan Paul. Like the biggest fight that was hyped up was him and Pacquiao a few years ago. Don't forget and, him and Connor. Oh, I forgot that that one. I was another that I think was like the real start of the uh, unraveling uh, into money grab fights. Yes, I agree with you, but. Connor did do a lot better than I thought he would. Oh, he did. I think that one was more serious, but I think it was a serious fight because, it, but it was really the first crossover fight. Became a money grab, and then a lot of guys just started crossing over. Guys that aren't fighters are starting to get into fighting just to make a quick payday. I think. Yeah, thank you for using the word fighting because people seem to think that putting a glove on and throwing a punch is boxing. No, you are fighting with gloves. That is not yeah. boxing. Boxing is technique, and it's a sport on its own. If you want to, like, hop, hop in a ring, put on some gloves, and go at it, that's not boxing. That's called fighting. I mean, we did that. We, we were fighting in your apartment, so. Yeah. But, then, yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about crossovers and stuff, um, there are rumors of Eddie Alvarez, MMA fighter, boxing, Oscar De La Hoya. Um, I did see that. Yeah, but that, um, I believe that won't come to fruition anymore. And Eddie Alvarez was like, um, boxing, not a fight, MMA, a fight. Which I'm not really sure how that um, came about because Eddie Alvarez was very much about that a couple weeks ago. He was really excited. Yeah. I'm assuming um, – the original reason that probably wasn't going to happen anymore was because of Oscar's stupid commentating over the trailer event. Oh, uh, the trailer event was god awful. The yeah, no. so shitty. 
Yeah. Uh, but so with that, before we continue. Yeah. What kind mm-hmm. of chocolate milk? Um, I don't know. It's so the gas station by my house, the no, no, yeah, the Noble Station has this. It's chocolate milk, fresh taste, local farms. Oh, Clover Farms, uh, right there. Clover Farms, the newest sponsor of my parents' office, um, right there. But it's it's good. It's not like I don't like Nest the Nesquik stuff. This is like good old pure chocolate milk. I like the Wawa brand. Once again, that's one I need to have. The cookies and cream one. I play with a kid that's from Jersey um, in college, and he he loves Wawa. He's like, I get the Italian hoagie every time I go, and the cookies and cream milk. So it's funny. The obsession of Wawa is so funny across states. Someone in like who doesn't have a Wawa are is so overly obsessed. Like it's the coolest thing ever. And someone who lives in Jersey PA, a state that has them on every corner, they're like at the 7-Eleven. Like, well, the Jersey kids that I play with get super like defensive about it. Cause we'll be talking about like sandwiches and stuff. And they're like, I get defensive for when people call it a um, gas station. It's not a, it's far from a gas station. Dude, there's Wawa's that don't have gas. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, Wawa is elite. But yeah, I went once, I think, when we were down in uh, Pennsylvania for the Army Navy game. Or yeah, we were we stayed in Jersey. But yeah. With that being said, the Oscars were Sunday night. Um, Nomadland won Best Picture. I think Sound of Metal should have won. Um, did so you I watch did that? watch that. It was pretty good. Um, so, I heard Nomadland wasn't great. Yeah, um, I didn't know No Bad Land was on Hulu before today, so I'm definitely going to give that a watch. Um, yeah. I enjoy Sound of Metal a lot. Um, looking at past uh, Best Picture winners, I don't really see that as like a film of the year kind of contender. Comparing it to the rest of the year, sure. But this was a weak ass class. And like, I understand it, but I understand this class it. overall compared to every like. If you look back at some of them, there's some that are just absolutely stacked to the T. Like, there will be seven nominees, and they're all movies that you could make the argument for them winning. It feels like the it feels like Best Picture has become very indie-friendly. Like, even yes. the metal seems very indie. Yeah, but, like, that's one, like, I, don't, I wouldn't mind it. But when they start, like, when the artist won it in, uh, I think it was 2011 – that was like the artist was awful. Same with Argo. I was not a fan of Argo and that won it. But an Argo won it over Zero Dark Thirty and Django. And it's like movies like that. Like Django should have won that because of the cast you have in it, the roles that are played. That's how I look at it. Is the role Leo played is just insane. Like I don't know. I feel like a picture should kind of check off a lot of boxes. Yeah, I don't think. Django really checks off that. I love Django. I love every Tarantino film I've seen. But I don't know if it really checks off that. I don't want to say it has to be family-friendly, but it's quite the opposite. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just – Argo just felt like – I mean, I I wasn't – I just look at the other ones that were – I think there were better films that could have won it. And same with Zero Dark Thirty was – is I think the closest movie depiction, like the best movie depiction – about like the events of 9-11 because it like the it, it chronicles that whole thing up to when bin laden gets killed and like that that movie was awesome but so we're gonna go through we're gonna kind of ping pong back and forth between three we're gonna kind of do our top three movies that 
were snubbed of best picture throughout the years. Uh, do you want me to start us start us off? I mean, I'll start off with All Citizen right. Kane. Um, what was it, Citizen Kane, you said? Yeah, because it's regarded as the best film of all time, and it's just kind of crazy to look back and realize that I never even won Best Picture. What year was that? 55? Hold on. I have I have the Wikipedia page up right now for all the... Um, Citizen Kane. Was it even nominated? 41. 41. Uh, okay. Um... How Green Was My Valley won it. Um, the other nominees were Suspicion, Surge in New York, uh, One Foot in Heaven, uh, Citizen Kane, and then a couple others. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, you always hear like that. I mean, maybe at the time it just didn't. I think that's a movie that's aged better than when it came out. For sure, but isn't that wild, though, to think that it's crazy. a movie that's regarded as the best film of all time, of course, opinions vary, and a movie that definitely has inspired other films after and techniques used it's it what the fact that it was so different and the making of it was so different compared to films around that time mm-hmm. don't like new and different so of course i could have had an impact on um it winning or not winning losing that's the word yeah um that's just wild to think um i'm actually gonna kind of hit the year 2013 just because 12 Years of Slave was a good movie, but it it might be one of the most stacked best picture class of all time because you have American Hustle, which was awesome, had Bradley Cooper in it. Amy Adams, Christian Bale was a great movie. Captain Phillips is, is on that list too. That was another nomination. That, that was – what? That could have won. I think that, that – if you really want to look at like how the committee votes, I think that had the best shot. Dallas Buyers Club, I don't really think had a shot at winning it just because of how the committee votes. But I love that movie. Just because if you look at the role, and I know we're saying like these people could have won best actor or actress in it, but Jared Leto, the role he plays in that is on is unreal. I mean, he plays a transgender prostitute. AIDS. I didn't know it was Jared Leto until at least a few years after seeing it. Which is he, he blows that role out of the water, and I don't know if I just great. I definitely saw the cast when I watched it. I don't know if I assumed he played a different character. I didn't recognize him. Well, that that definitely is what it was. I just didn't realize he was the freaking transgender character. And then the other one in here is Wolf of Wall Street, which. Yeah. I, see, and what's crazy is McConaughey was the lead in Dallas Buyers Club, and he had a supporting role in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. He had a very minor role. He had a, but he, uh, if you look at it, he did, because I watched it last night. Uh, I rewatched it. But, he, uh, was he nominated it, for supporting? Um, Oh, he probably wasn't nominated in that for uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know. But that cat, like that cast, is awesome. I do think the one issue with it is like the scene when Jonah Hill and Leo are on Quaaludes in the house, and he drives back. I think that scene is pretty is almost too long. Like Jonah Hill starts choking. I think that scene goes on about three or four minutes too long. It's just so it's feels so repetitive. They're just crawling around on the ground. But an overall great movie. I think that honestly w- would have been my pick to win it 
over 12 years a slave, but you could also still make the argument for American Hustle, Dallas Buyers Club, Captain Phillips, and Gravity. The other nominees were Philomena, wait, yeah, uh, Nebraska, and Her. So it was stacked up class. It was Her, Nebraska, and Philomena. For what year? That was 2013. That was all 13? Yeah. Jesus. That was, if you, I'm looking at other classes, like there's some good ones, but that one was stacked. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't really see, I don't think Gravity was much of a contender. It had good cast, but right. movies that we're saying were also that year. That's pretty wild. Yeah, like, and Gravity's a good movie. I, like I said, I agree with you. It's not a best picture movie, but it's a good movie. And it was nominated for it. Like it's, that's crazy. And that's the a studio film. all of those movies are crazy good too. Yeah. Um, Over number, to you. Yeah, okay. So my number two, I'm just going to, Check to see what year it was. Uh, one moment. I'm sorry. No, all good. All good. There's some crazy ones. Like the 2000s. Once it hit like 2010, there's a lot of misses, I think. All right. So 1976, the winner was Rocky. Okay. Um, which Rocky is one of my favorite films, but I feel like it's more of a feel-good film. Hang on. Don't, don't say. What are you? Can I guess the movie you're going to say that should have won? Sure. Taxi Driver? Yeah. Great movie. Okay, so in my opinion, Rocky is more of a feel-good film than a good yeah. film. In my my favorite Rocky is Rocky 2. I don't know why. A lot of people love Rocky 4. Um, I don't know, like, because Rocky 2 is more of that redemption of he like the first one. He wasn't really like working to become the best boxer of all time, but that feel good moment in Rocky Two, him beating Creed, that's awesome, man. Um, Rocky, the the Rocky that wins it, Rocky One. I see. I would argue Rocky Four is the best one. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's the, a lot of people's favorite. Yeah, he he loses that like Eye of the Tiger. He's got to fight Avenger. Ivan- Ivan Drago, like there's all that, but I can you could make the argument for two or four is the best one. R.I.P. Apollo Creed in Rocky Four. Yeah, um, even though though in three with Clubber Lang was an awesome one. Like number three is that the one that had Hulk Hogan? Was Hulk Hogan in Rocky Three? Yeah, he was near the beginning of it, and he got fired from the WWF after being Rocky because apparently him being in that. Gave a poor depiction of pro wrestling. Yeah, he was in that. Yeah, um, which is kind of crazy. That's insane to actually think. But yeah, that that I think I think you could have even made the argument in that. Oh year. man, Rocky should not have won that year. My but all the president's men is on there. Jaws, one floor of the cuckoo's nest. Dog. No, Day. you're looking at seventy five. It was seventy six. Rocky won. Oh, this says 76. Okay. Because um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest won it in 75. And Jaws was in that year. All right. But, okay. I don't know why it says 76 and it's listing those films. Um, one moment. Are you on Wikipedia? I'm on Google. Check. Go to Wikipedia and see it. It's got a whole list of all the. Okay. So, picture Rocky. Oh, no. I'm good now. Bound for Glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Rocky, like even um, what's his face, uh, Sylvester Stallone, like he was just an amateur 
I'm using that word respectfully. Um, amateur scriptwriter who had his vision, his vision got created. And it's a beautiful film from start to finish, but in my opinion, it wasn't, it's not a great film. It's a feel-good film. Like it's, how we kind of say certain songs are like fun songs opposed to good songs. Right. Opposed to Taxi Driver, where Taxi Driver kind of makes some people feel uncomfortable from the prostitute scenes to even the very early part of the film. Like Taxi Driver is weird. I, I almost put Taxi Driver in the same category of a movie like uh, King of Comedy, uh, both sure. the Nero films, but they also like King of Comedy was a cult favorite at the time when it came out and De Niro was doing comedy like and that was the first time De Niro ever did comedy they're both different movies but they almost have that same feel where they are were like just kind of cult favorites at the time Taxi Driver obviously did better than King of Comedy but he like I think you could put Taxi Driver or All the President's Men over Rocky that year and I think just because Rocky like you said has that feel good feeling like that feel it's that feel good story and how the committee votes because like you said with uh the year Django didn't win um over what was it over Argo it's because I think of that same like that almost family friendly taxi driver isn't as family friendly as a movie like Rocky um I like movies that I think we've had the conversation um I like movies that make me feel a certain way fact that parts of Taxi Driver does make me feel so kind of uncomfortable I like that because it was a very realistic representation of New York City around that time just mm-hmm. dark and gloomy and there's crime but there's also positivity like it, it was a good film and in my opinion that should have won best uh, I, I agree with you on that um, for mine um, I'm in between so I'm going to go 2005, Crash won Best Picture. Uh, love that so, film. See, I didn't love Crash. And this is on my opinion, and I loved Brokeback Mountain. That's one of my favorite movies because it has two of my favorite actors with Heath Ledger and Gyllenhaal in it. So, like, I honestly think, and that was also a movie before its time, and I think it also, it got that reputation of a gay cowboy movie and didn't get the respect it really deserved as being an actual good movie when it came out. So that's where my issue with it is. I mean, it's still regarded as a quote unquote gay cowboy movie. Um, when it's more than that, it's too, and, and Ledger is just a great actor from all the roles he's been, he was in this uh, monsters ball, the Joker. So he's done so much. So seeing him play this character was awesome. And I think 2005 should have went to, Brokeback Mountain over Crash. Um, but other than that, there weren't there were Munich, Good Night and Good Luck, and Capote were uh, also nominated in that. Uh, uh, Brokeback Mountain was a very unique film, not much comparable to it, but that's how I feel about Crash. Like, it's really cool how um, it starts off with a scene and the rest of that film is leading up to that scene. And it's multiple different stories bunch of different angles personalities all tell all living their own um respective storylines leading up to that crash from racism racism's a big part of that racism crime to it's been a while since i've seen the film but you want to go to broke my mountain cast i love don Cheadle. matt dylan is good um i love michael pena 
Can't forget Luda. You're saying the crash, the crash uh, cast, right? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's another star-studded cast. There's not really one like A-list guy, but at the same time, it's a yeah. big cast with a lot of star, like a lot of stars that were like have done really good movies on their own. For sure. I love. You ever seen um, Black Monday with Don Cheadle? The show. No. It's a good show. It's um. Uh. It's based. It's very loosely based on a true story of Black Monday, which is um like the biggest stock market crash, pretty much. It's on Showtime. It's with cut that out. Cheeto. Shit, what's his name? Um. Oh crap. Uh, he's in Arrested Development. What? Um, Bateman. No. Bateman and not Arrested Development. The League. Um. Not the comedian, the one that lied about 9-11. The guy that I'm a big fan of. One second. Clearly not, but... uh, Rafi? No. He's on the same podcast as Rafi. Rafi. Uh, Paul Shear. There we go. Oh, okay. But, for so, like, you for that cast, too, the Brokeback Mountain cast, it doesn't have a big one, but, I mean, the first three names on it are huge with Heath Ledger, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, and Anne Hathaway. Which is maybe he wasn't in 2004, but Joe Hall has kind of molded himself into a breakthrough. Maybe not a list, but breaking into that category. He he does every role he does. I think he's been good in, like in Zodiac, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, Enemy. Um, Donnie Darko, Brokeback. Like he he really gets into the role, and I think he's a super underrated actor. I don't think people consider him as an a list, but if you look at the work he's done, he you could easily make an argument to throw him in that category. If but, you say get into his role, I don't think you can really say that and not include um, Ledger in that sentence. Oh, no, I completely agree. Ledger did in – so the Joker was the ultimate, the, the biggest time the, – the first time I think people really saw – a guy actually maybe other than De Niro and taxi driver when De Niro just drove around in taxis for like a year prior to that movie. But Ledger, is that true? Yeah, that that's true. It's crazy to think about. I didn't know that. But Ledger was in dark night as the Joker and just completely transformed himself, made himself just a weirdo. Um, in monsters ball, he plays like just this drunk burnout uh, corrections officer. He's awesome. And he's great in the Patriot. Like, like you said, he really trans transforms himself into playing a character. Like, he, he commits fully to playing a character. All right, what is number three for you? I was so on that one for a bit that I forgot. Oh, Raging Bull. Um, what year? Uh, 1981. So what won that year? Uh, uh, Chariots of Fire. Yeah, so... It's saying oh, no, Raging Bull was nominated in 80. Yeah, these years are weird. Um, uh, ordinary people won it in 80. Yep. Okay. So I believe, so I haven't seen that, but Raging Bull and Elephant Man both came out. Yep. They're both nominated that year. And I like Elephant Man a lot. Um, I like Raging Bull a lot, which with the, both of those probably being in maybe my top 20. Top 
25. I've never seen ordinary people, but just with that fact alone, um, one of those must have been snubbed. Elephant Man, a very emotional film of a kid. Well, he's a, he was a man in the film, but a disfigured man. I can't remember his name right now, but... It's um, John Merrick. Yeah. Have you seen the film? No, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. I didn't know what Elephant Man was about. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I don't really think there's any... Who plays him? Uh, Anthony Hopkins plays him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's not a very star-studded film, but uh, very emotional, very, uh, very big on bullying and acceptance. And again, another film that made me feel, <laughs> made me feel happy and sad. The ending was very happy. He did pass away, uh, spoiler, passed away at the end, but it kind of was the first time ever in his life that he felt accepted looking the way he did. Um, Jesus Christ, I'm looking at like actual pictures of the elephant man, yeah. Based on true story, it's wild. That's crazy, it's really good. Um, I believe it's on HBO if you want to check it out. Yeah, I'll watch that soon. Jeez, I like that it's in elephant man or raging bull. Should it beat out ordinary people that year? In my opinion, yeah. I can get behind that. I mean, I've I seen Raging Bull. Raging Bull is great. So you're on Wikipedia. What else came that year? Anything notable? Uh, Tess and Coal Miner's Daughter. All right, I'm unfamiliar with those, but all right. My last one, I'm gonna go with. See, I'm staying like 2000s movies. I'm more familiar with. I know you're big movie guy, so you could hop all over. Well, but I, I gotta go. The list I was using, those were the examples. Maybe. Yeah. There were more I felt more stronger about between 2000 and now, but um, I'm gonna go 2010. The, uh, the King's Speech won in 2010, um, but that same year, The Social Network is up for in Social Network, Inception, Toy Story 3, and The Fighter, and Black Swan are all up for nominations. It's a stat class. I think Social Network really should have pulled it out because the way. Jesse Eisenberg plays the role of Mark Zuckerberg is crazy. Andrew Garfield's great in it. Justin Timberlake plays a sleaze ball in it and is awesome in it. I think overall it's a great movie that really, that is, I think the ultimate snub for best picture at the Oscars. I, I, I mean, but you could also make the argument for a movie like inception toy story three, you can make the argument for, and 127 hours. So, has there ever been an animated best picture? Um, I'd imagine it would have been more recent if there had been. Um, I don't think there has. I don't think. So. Uh, no, I don't believe so. So there's a category for animated best feature, but that's not what I mean. But not like best picture movie, like the the big best picture. I'm trying to see. And, like, there's not going to be any in the 90s, really. So, then there were really not – I don't think there were any in the 2000s. Wait, did Shrek win? Shrek did not win. A feature. No, yeah, you're right. No, do you – with that being said, with us picking, like, our three biggest snubs, are there – give me, like, one or two that you think were, like, like spot on that they picked. 
Um, so what came out the year Moonlight won? If you, you're on Wikipedia. Um, that was Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, Lion, and Hell or High Water and Hidden Figures. So that year I say Moonlight spot on. I would – I loved Manchester. Like if, I've seen Hacksaw Ridge like three times, and I still – I like it better than Hacksaw Ridge. Really? Yeah. So I, I could make the argument, I think, for Hacksaw Ridge or even a Manchester by the Sea. So, like, I'm still differentiating between a movie that I like and a movie that I believe should be a best picture. Right. Right. No, I get that. I get that. Um, I think the in '99 when American Beauty won, I think American Beauty had a tough. It it beat out The Sixth Sense and The Green Mile, but that movie is great just because. I, I like. There's just something about it. It's just kind of a day to day life of the character Kevin Spacey pay, plays, but there's just something about his character, and it's there's just roses that represent. He sees rose petals in his dreams, and it's just there's something about that whole movie that Sam Mendes, when he directed it, made work, and it was just awesome overall. I think that was a hit, and same within, where was it? I just had it. When Schindler's List won in 93. Um, so I, I'm not on the Wikipedia page, so I don't see every film that was nominated every year, but I'm on a Today website. Parasite won in 2020. Um so far, I kind of seen from films that I said should have won, um, or I'm glad that they won. They seem very different than an average film. Parasite winning, yes, a foreign film has never won Best Picture from, or at least maybe not foreign, but a not English film. Um, I would win 1917 with that because of the way it's shot. I haven't seen that yet. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's crazy the way it's shot because it literally looks like you're watching the whole war like for a day like it's like you're there because it's just taking you through the whole day it's like there's no cut scenes the one shot right the whole tracking shot close yeah. to it. that's wild dude i want how the amount of preparation that must have taken because i've seen probably 25 minutes of the film and yeah it was just one tracking shot it's nuts that and i think that if you want to go that unique angle I think that it could have that well, the way that they uh, Sam Mendy shot that could have beat out Parasite. Um, so the movie I don't know why it just popped in my head, but uh, crap, one second. Um, why are there so many films? Okay, so another film that came out in 2017. That's what Moonlight was, right? Uh, Moonlight was 16. 17 was The Shape of Water. All right. Well, the movie King with Halle Berry about the, like the first half of the movie is before the Rodney King conviction or lack of conviction. And the second half of it is like the riots that sprouted. So that's a very good film. Mm-hmm. Um, not a very feel good film. It's more like a feel bad film. Can't no, I, I can't imagine. And there, if I had to put another one that kind of got it like right on the nose, uh, The Departed winning in 06, just because of what it was going up against. It was going against A Little Miss Sunshine, uh, Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, and The Queen. So I think The Departed winning because of that absolute stacked cast. You have Leo, Damon, Nicholson, Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, 
Alec Baldwin. It's a crazy cast. They got all those guys to do that movie. I think that Departed is Scorsese's first um, best picture. Was it really? Well, I mean, he, he got robbed of Wolf of Wall Street years later. So uh, from Taxi Driver. <laughs> that's crazy. That's insane that he that that is his first one, and it's not. I mean, I would put Wolf of Wall Street and Taxi Driver above The Departed on his. Like if we're ranking his movies ahead of The Departed. I can't say 95 is wrong because Forrest Gump is so iconic. But that was a very oh, stacked year. I disagree. I think Shawshank should have won over. That's what I'm saying. Like, in my opinion, it, it's not my pick, but I understand it. You could make the argument for both and both arguments. That's what I'm saying. Read the rest because there was one other one that came out that year. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It's that, that, I mean, that could be the three best movies that have ever been nominated. The scene, but again, a Pulp Fiction, nobody really understands Tarantino in that time and his. No. So that it's I have whack, it's like a whack movie. Like, a, it's so ahead of its time at that time. Like, people I don't think were really ready for it. I agree, but I like talking about the Oscars and the best picture, but um. After we've got the interview with strength coach Bruce right now. I agree with Rain Man 89. <laughs> yes, I do agree with that one. I, I saw that. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for our interview with strength coach Bruce. Brett will keep naming movies after we turn off the Zoom. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. Now joining the show, I've got on uh, strength coach Bruce. Coach Bruce, what's going on? Nothing much. This is awesome to be here. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. Don't feel, don't feel worthy. <laughs> no, nothing to be nervous about. This is, I feel like this one's actually been long overdue getting you on. So I'm happy to get you on while you're, uh, you're down in Bama right now. Uh, people will be hearing this episode Friday. So oh, cool. your son will be graduating from Alabama. <laughs> um, as a dad, how are you feeling about it? You must be the nerves must be crazy. Uh, nerves are crazy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place with emotion because I'm excited at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I'm looking at, holy cow, I'm getting old now because <laughs> I have a college graduate in the house, um, you know, one more, another year and a half after him. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. Um, but it's, it's definitely exciting. Um, time really, really went by. I'm waiting for kind of his next move. Um, just want to be here to pick up the pieces if there is any, if he needs me to be, um, supportive, whatever he wants to do after this and, uh, you know, kind of take it from there. That's awesome. That's it. I mean, you've still got David he's at Springfield still, but he's, you were talking the other night. It sounds like he might be graduating early. So you might have back-to-back graduation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he's smart, he'll save 60 grand and get out of there early if he can. <laughs> That's a life lesson I'm trying to hope for that he'll take advantage on um, or not. I know he wants to do some YouTube stuff. So, um, you know, again, he, he's totally different goals and tie and, and I encourage that. And, um, you know, if he needs to stay the extra year, that's fine, but he, he definitely has an opportunity to move away a little bit earlier. So I, I would prefer to encourage that so he can just kind of get things going and really wants to do, you know? Yeah. So when we do an interview, we kind of, I always say it's kind of like to start back at the beginning and what, and then kind of work towards what people, what they're doing now, whether it be a musician, a comedian, an athlete. So you're, when did you really get into lifting and uh, just pretty oh, much so worrying about story. your health? 
You want the story, huh? I you do want, want the, the. I don't story? think I've actually ever really heard the story. So I don't think anybody's ever really heard the story except for maybe a, a few people. They just know I'm some dude that trains people, kids for a living, and adults at some point, and have a little bit of a medical background. That's usually how I go. But it all started way back when, when I was 12. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I have two. I have two older sisters, but they're about 10 and 13 years older than I am. I'm 50. And um, when I was 12, my middle sister, she was a competitive bodybuilder. So let's, let's take that back to 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty much in, let's say, middle school. Didn't really have a great experience in middle school. Picked on because I was this real short, quiet, skinny kid. Um, so that's all I'm going to really say about that. But that kind of really what put me on my path. Um, just got tired of being hassled every day. Um, started going to the gym with my sister didn't really like it according to what she said she was always like you know when are we gonna leave you know I was always saying when are we gonna leave this is crazy she was on a bodybuilding team um in Hartford and um that's that's pretty you know early for uh, a a woman to be in bodybuilding in the early 80s you know um that was unheard of so I think that's part of the reason why I don't let any of my female athletes pay play the um you know gender card with me for the most part Um, yeah yeah, I grew up. I grew up with with watching her in, in the weight room, um, which was pretty cool. So that you know, that was me backstage with her um, when she was competitive bodybuilder and and uh, pump up room and and the protein shakes. The protein shakes back in back in those days. I remember us. We were at home in the kitchen, and you know, you take a saucepan, you put some whole milk in it, you 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 crack four to six um, whole eggs, put some vanilla extract in it, and you take one of those uh, whisk beaters and yep. you beat it up. Oh, sorry, a scoop of um, vanilla ice cream beat it up and then that's your shake and that was my shake for a very long time before um, I started yeah it was well you know I didn't know any better it was the uh, vanilla ice cream and the vanilla extract that that uh (laughs) that that were able to help you keep it down at least yeah keep it down exactly um but that was you know and then after that it kind of segued into the uh the weeder products but you know cut to the chase you know when I got my license at 16 first thing everybody wanted to do was go to a drive-thru first thing I did was drive myself to the gym um and it kind of started there did you go to the drive through after (laughs) um actually no man because i was on that you know uh eating healthy thing so there was really nothing to do (laughs) for me no there was no mcdonald's any of that stuff you know i was buying uh i was going to kmart with my mom and buying tupperware and and blenders you know at 16 17 you know crazy right yeah (laughs) so um, so let's, let's, let's shoot up a little bit further. That puts me, you know, uh, 18, you know, I was at Springfield college, graduated, uh, high school in 89. Um, then went to a junior college in South Carolina. My dream school was Clemson, but wasn't too smart to get in. So, um, I went to a small junior college, uh, about 30 minutes from Clemson called Anderson college. And, um, my very, very first client, um, at the time was my college roommate. So that puts us at 1990. Um, and he happened to be a, uh, uh, Olympic table tennis player from Jamaica, believe it or not. So by the time I had met him, he had already gone, he had already gone to the 88 Olympics, um, you know, and then 92, 96, you know, um, and then, and a few after that, but I met him and, uh, we started training. So that was kind of my first pro Olympic athlete. So what was the, what was the exchange process like was it uh you got you would help him work out for like two hours and then you guys would play ping pong for an hour like it was well, kind of like you guys would trade skills one, one thing i learned is you can't say ping pong 
It's either TT or table tennis. Ping pong is because it's American. It, it's a recreational thing. Um, you know, when I saw that guy's visa from where he's been as far as traveled all over the world um, and playing, I remember in college, um, so it was in South Carolina. We drove to Georgia one week and I used to watch him go play money tournaments in Georgia. So we drove to Georgia one weekend and I watched him play the number one guy in the world um, who was from Sweden and he beat him and he walked home with five grand. Now that's a 1990 college student. He walks home with a five grand, with a five grand check in his pocket. And he was doing that every other weekend. Um, so that's and the five, stuff I five grand at the time for a college student must've been good, but five grand now for a college student would be awesome. I was eating burger buddies um, from Burger King. <laughs> they were 50 cents. They right now they call them sliders, but Burger King used to sell them 50 cents. You get three sliders. And my mom would send me $50 every two weeks. And first thing I would do is go to Domino's and then go to Burger King, get those burger buddies. <laughs> That's not too bad. Uh, so were you kind of like his hype man when you guys would go to these tournaments or no, more like, no, no, nah, man, I was, I was just, I was just sitting back watching. I just, I was in awe of the athleticism, but unfortunately I think that was my first, I, my first kind of like being an eyeball of what a strength coach looks at. Cause I'm more in awe of not so much as the, the table tennis, but as much as like, okay, what's required for him to hit this little small white ball, six feet across the table mm -hmm. at over a hundred miles an hour. Right. And then watch him play at least 10 feet back off the table, you know, and the explosive. So what I keyed in was, holy cow, you have to be very explosive, hand-eye coordination. Um, he, he had quads, uh, some big thigh muscles, so, you know, and big glutes. So I know he could, you know, he was putting a lot of power behind that ball. Um, that's the stuff that I keyed in on. It was really, it was really, really weird before I even knew I was keying in on it. <laughs> you know, I was just watching it. I was watching his speed and I was watching the speed in which the ball traveled. And um, that kind of that kind of started it from there. I mean, you know, I knew, you know, once I graduated there, I was trying to find a school and I had, you know, I thought I was going to be my dream job at the time was going to be a cardiologist. And, and I figured I was going to go on the path of that. That's why I chose exercise physiology um, as a as a major. Um, once I graduated there, I graduated with a two year degree in business and then I went transferred into Springfield College um, for undergrad for exercise physiology. Um, sorry, health and sorry, health and fitness. Um, and then once I graduated health and fitness, I went back there. Um, I moved to Atlanta for a little while in 95. Um, once I finished my undergrad, I did my internship down there in, in a hospital. Thought that's where I was going to be for the rest of my life, become a cardiologist. Um, I love the heart. I fell in love with cardiac rehab. I did cardiac rehab for 10 years, I would say, not at one place, but I worked at Brattleboro Memorial Hospital. So I used to work, I used to live in a, a Vernon. Connecticut. So that was about a two hour commute to uh, Brattleboro. Um, and then I worked at St. Francis in Hartford. Um, and then I obviously did my first credit rehab job down in down in Atlanta when I finished what was doing my undergrad internship. So um, and you were living in Vernon and driving to Brattleboro, Brattleboro, Vermont? Brattleboro Memorial Hospital. Yep. That's when Ty was one. Wow, that's... <laughs> that's when Ty was born. I was leaving at 5 a.m. I had to be there for seven. That was the time where I had five, I had five jobs. So that year that I was at Brattleboro, I, um, three days a week, I was at Brattleboro Hospital, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I did a seven to seven shift. Then I also worked at Bay State Medical Center um, in cardiac rehab, as well as uh, I was working as a cardiac tech. Um, and then I worked at Stafford Memorial Hospital in the ER. Um, and then 
uh, I worked for uh, AMR. Basically, I was an EMT. So I did a seven to seven hour shift on the weekend. How many jobs is that so far? Is that four? four and, right then, and then obviously the, my go-to job was personal trainer at the Hartford YMCA. I was there for eight. I was at the Hartford Y for about eight years. That was kind of like the job that I always had um, when I went to Springfield and through undergrad and through when I came home from breaks and so on and so forth. But I was there for a good eight years. But that one year that I was doing that, I, I had five jobs. It was nuts. That's, that's <laughs> crazy. Uh, yeah. When you so when you uh, decide you're going to go to Springfield College, Springfield. Yeah. If people that are listening don't know, um, it's it's a jock school. It's you're going there to either if you're a business kid, you're going there for sports management, and if you're going there uh, for anything athletic, you're going as a either like a PT major, an AT major stuff like that. So did you kind of embrace that? Like when you like going to the weight room, stuff like that, how did you kind of fit into that? Um, they sponsored bodybuilding. So I was competitive bodybuilder at that time. Um, and I had a few friends of mine that, you know, <laughs> I remember packing food up. So I had my food bag and I had my, my, my regular bag with all my books in it. So every other class I would eat, um, I was working full time at the Hartford YMCA. I was actually the fitness director for the YMCA. So what I did was I went to went to Springfield full time undergrad, lived with my parents, didn't live on campus. Um, so pretty much what I did was I went to went to class. I ate one meal at second class. Next meal, I would pull out the tape recorder. Yes, I'm dating myself. Pull out the tape recorder, put it on, a, on my desk, go into my food bag and literally would pull out a piece of Tupperware that had three three to four pieces of chicken breast in it, two cups of brown rice, two cups of broccoli. And then I had a metrics protein shake all at the same time, sit in the back room eating while I was listening to the lecture because I could take notes later because I was recording it. So <laughs> it's not a bad idea. No, no, not a bad idea. Take notes. And then uh, that's how you just get it in when you have to. And then um, uh, before I would go to work at the Y, I, during my last class, um, I would go to the, to the fitness center, do my workout, do my lift, and then go to the Y, uh, work from the work from two to nine at the Y. I close the gym down and then stay there and do my cardio, and then repeat that all over and over again. That's so, a pretty packed day for what a 21, 22 year old kid. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But that's all I knew. That's all I wanted to do. Um, again, it, it all harping from you know the rough years of middle middle school. It's either um, you know become an asshole uh, because you're picked on or you know, do something good with it. And um, I knew what fitness did for me as a young kid, um, giving me confidence and everything else. And I knew I wanted to do it as a career, but I didn't know if you could make any money doing it um, until I think I was 16. I read in one of my bodybuilding magazines that Mick Jagger paid his uh, trainer 200 grand a year to drive around town, you know, drive around with him during shows. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess you could do okay with it. So I'm like, all right. So that just solidified, you know what, stay in the industry for a little while. Um, maybe pursue cardiology, but let's see what happens with this, you know? Now, if you, given the choice, if you could go back like 23-year-old Coach Bruce and any celebrity you want offers to, to pay you that money to go around with them, you're their personal trainer. At the time, what celebrity are you going to pick? At that time? Let's yeah, see. we'll go at that time and now, like if you, had, if you got picked now. Um. Listen, I listen. I don't. I'm. I'm not really big on name dropping, but um, I had the luxury of training the, uh, Willie Nelson's manager for ten years. So, 
So, you know, that's, that's good enough for me. Um, he didn't really have to, he didn't travel with Willie. He just, um, you know, he managed Willie from afar. You know, he's, he's an American icon. So, um, you know, I got to go to a lot of, sh a lot of shows, um, see a lot of different things, uh, hang out on the bus, got to smell the Willie weed a little bit, you know, didn't smoke <laughs> it, but definitely got to smell it. <laughs> so you were, um, you were on tour pretty much with Willie Nelson at, from time. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. He, you know, the gentleman, he lived here in Connecticut and his, he managed Willie, you know, pretty much just from, from, from living. Willie, Willie was on the road 364 days out a year. So my job with him, um, pretty much he, he was a triathlete. So he, um, his manager, he pretty much saw me five days a week. He had a tri coach. Um, so he was swim, bike and running and seeing me. And you can probably count out of the whole 10 years I had him. Um, you could probably count on one year, on one hand how many times he actually canceled a session. <laughs> I probably canceled more because I was, you know, engulfed with a new wife and babies and so on and so forth. So um, I was probably a little bit more of a, of a burden uh, <laughs> than 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 anything else. Um, but now I was, you know, it was a great period of my life because you know having that experience. I know exactly where I was in 9/11. Um, I was in his basement uh, um, training him, and we were watching. You know, and at that time I was also uh, a training manager for Equinox in Darien, Connecticut. Um, so I was down kind of in that area. And um, my next, you know, once I left his basement, I would go into my full-time job, um, which was training manager at, at Equinox. And, you know, half everybody there were, were Wall Street or if it wasn't, there's their wives or somebody, family member. So I, you know, I know I'm kind of taking a, a left turn here with the conversation, but that's kind of my life. I've, I've kind of bobbed and weaved and seen and done a lot of different things and it's all one big mishmash, you know? Now, when you look at, you've trained with just about everybody, when you're training with people from, like from Northern Connecticut, I mean, it's a different demographic versus that Wall Street, like you said, either the wives of them, a family member of them, or the guy that works on Wall Street. Yeah, or the kids. A big yeah. difference you notice between the people when they're training. Um, so here's, and, and here's my honest answer with that. Um, people are people and everybody's either motivated or not motivated. Um, you know, they either want the trainer, they don't want the trainer, they hire the trainer, maybe because everybody else does or, yes. or, or they think it's going to work. Um, I'm not a fit. I have a pretty good personality. I get along with everybody. But, you know, even even I met people that it didn't really fit. One of the biggest things I think um, was different um, between training in that area versus the area that I'm in now is um, I think because a lot of folks did have trainers, they understood the value of a trainer. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a little bit more appreciative of what we did versus here. It's, it's, it's different, not so much as, not just the money aspect and, um, you know, uh, what I charge here versus what I charge down there. Um, it's, it's, it's not an everyday thing up here. Down there, it's like I'm. I've always, I've always used to say, hey, I'm kind of like, you know, the Ferrari. It's like, you know, not everybody can have one, but everybody has one, you know, or, or the Porsche or whatever the case may be. And down there, it's like everybody has a trainer, you know. And if somebody, if after me, some people are going to see their tennis coach, you know, because they just had a little bit more financial freedom to hire people to help them get to the goals that they wanted to get to. Here it's, it's, you know, it's working class. So listen, they're going to go to the gym. They're going to take the free one. They're going to get a little bit of assistance, but they're not going to have the disposable income to say, Hey, you know, um, let me hire this guy for two, three grand a month, you know, mm -hmm. for the next five, 10 years, you know um, it's, it's a little different story. 
because I don't even know if I could afford to hire me, you know, <laughs> because it is, it is, it is what it is, you know? Um, but that being said, um, once 2000, you're kind of segueing me into the good, good part here about why I'm kind of up here now training up here, meaning, um, in the, uh, an area that we live in the Hartford area versus yeah. down the Greenwich area, um, is because 2008 hit and the market tanked and I saw kind of what it did to, you know, that the wall street folks mm -hmm. and the people down in that area and so on and so forth. But I also kind of revisited that, Hey, you know what, Bruce, I mean, there are a lot of people that could use your help, specifically youth. Um, and, and I wanted to make myself accessible to the folks that I felt that really, really needed me. And that's part of the reason why I switched my business to training not only young athletes for the, for the majority of my focus, because when I was in that area, it was like, you know, 80% uh, adults, 20% kids. Um, but when I made that conscious decision to, hey, say, hey, Bruce, you're going to move your business up line to close to where you live. You may not be able to, you know, may not be, you may not be as affordable. So, um, but you, you, I wanted to address the youth um, because I know what it did for me being that bully kid, specifically the kids that wanted to play sports and maybe they weren't as good um, or maybe they are good, but just didn't have the tools to kind of take them to that next level. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was my biggest switch in 2008. Literally went from being in Fairfield to 100% up here, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. For one, I'm closer to home. To my sons, we're getting to a point where they're you know getting ready to graduate high school, so I want to be closer. I missed a lot of first um, when I was down here. So my son that's graduating, you know, in the next couple of days, I didn't see his first walk or hear him talk because I was 100 miles away, you know. Um, so I, I I wanted to get to a point in my life where I can kind of enjoy, um, you know, seeing him graduate and my other kids graduate and seeing what they're going to do in their next phases. Gotcha. So now you're up here and you came in to the Enfield High program when I was a, uh, it was, a, I think the end of my sophomore summer, yeah. going into this, my sophomore year, you came into the program and it was kind of, I, I almost call it like, not a fluke, but you had offered your services to us, uh, Avon and South Windsor. And luckily we were the only ones that take you up on that offer. Um, I was, I mean, one of the best things that happened to the program is bringing you in because it elevated, I think a lot of our players to the next level. So when you were kind of going through that testing process with other schools, what was the feedback maybe from the other schools where like maybe they already had a guy in there or just didn't want to spend the money like what was that uh whole experience like um I, well here's i guess here's a long and short of um so i started i started working with hartford healthcare right i was there far first so let me kind of restart that story and say that i was out on my own on my own company for mm -hmm. 10 years for a good sorry five years or so prior to me coming to enfield and 100% um, on my own. Um, I had a nice contract with a, another town, East Hartford had about seven or eight elementary schools. Oh. And um, so kind of what prompted this whole, how I met you was that um, it, was a, it was a state funded grant. And um, I was doing pretty well on my own. I was running speed camps and I was doing some work at Pomford and um, 
uh, did some work at EO Smith. So I had a couple of different contracts during the summer and then throughout the year with EO Smith and um, started using, like before I'm at Lightning Fitness, I was at um, another owner's um, facility. Uh, and then long story short, the big contract that I had, it was about a $20,000 a year contract. I lost that because the state cut the grant. So that's like, imagine your mom and dad waking up one day, you know, you're raising a family and dad comes home and was like, hey, yeah, they just cut my salary 20 grand. You know, that's a big, big, big pay gap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, me with the entrepreneurial spirit, you know, it's, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're kind of out on your own, you don't, you don't get too frantic because my wife, she's a stable mom at the time. So she'd been out. Um, so she was working single income, just me. So what? What I did was I, you know, went to Career Builder and Monsters, whatever, and started looking online and come to find out, oh, there was a little per diem, 10 hours a week at Hartford Hospital. Great. And come to find out, interviewed for that. And it was just, you know, 10 hour job, strength conditioning coach, um, looking to go into the high school market, so on and so forth. So at the time, my boss currently is now, Stephanie Bross was like, hey, you know, um, we want to bring you in as kind of our first piloted strength and conditioning coach. That was her baby project. Um, she wanted to get to a point where she was not, where they were not only putting in athletic trainers in high schools, but they were packaging a strength coach along with that. Mm -hmm. um, hence the reason, you know, Ben had been there for a long time um, uh, as an athletic trainer. And then, you know, then boom, here comes Brucey popping along. Yeah. So, so anyway, she, my boss at the time was like, you know, just do what you got to do. We have these three potential high schools that you could probably go to just go in and do what you needed to do. Um, so I'm like, okay, great. So I think part of it was tough in the initial phases with, with South Windsor. First, I was happy about South Windsor because I graduated from South Windsor High. So I was excited to even have that as an opportunity. Well, it didn't really work out. Coaches didn't really bite. Um, not really sure. Maybe it was just the way I was introduced or not introduced you know, to them. Um, not sure. Um, Avon, not really quite sure. That was kind of above my period grade. I don't know what happened. I just, they just didn't bite for whatever reason, um, couldn't, wasn't really organized enough. But I think with Enfield, because for one, every, almost every teacher up there seemed like they're a Springfield grad and we all look out for each other. So yeah. Springfield students, you know, keep that in mind. Um, and then uh, two, Ben was awesome because he brought me around. He was an athletic trainer up there, the head athletic trainer. And he brought me around, just introduced me to all the coaches. And, um, but what I did was I just stood back. I didn't go in you know, Mr. Cool Joe, small strength training coach. I'm going to, you know, get all your athletes bigger, faster, and stronger. I just, I'm, I'm pretty quiet by yep. nature. And I just sat back and I just watched and I was humble. And I was like, you know, I'm here to do whatever it is you guys want me to do. Um, you know, I, I initially set up coaches clinics and um, introduced myself and, and just wanted to assure them not here. I'm not as a sports coach. I'm not here to change, you know, you know what the football team does for their their game strategies i'm not here to teach baseball players how to pitch better and, and hit better i'm just here to for one help you guys um get stronger improve your performance if you have injuries help you decrease your risk of injuries there's no such thing as injury prevention but decrease your risk of injuries by just having stronger athletes um and organize better the weight room for the most part and um, that's, that's pretty much how it started. And then field was really proactive and all the coaches were, were, were well, very welcoming. And they made my job very, very easy to be honest with you. Um, Coach Liver. A big reason with you coming in, I think it was probably the best part of it was that we were a newer program too. So you were like, 
we Fermi was class M uh, playing like Rockville, Northwest Catholic every year. And we were, well, I was an Enfield high kid for a year. So right. we would play Stafford and uh, Ellington. So you're not playing the top competition and then you get put up to right. probably, I'd say the second best division you're in division one, double L uh, <laughs> playing. I mean, that first game yeah, was Southington on your washer, basically. <laughs> I think we won one game. My, my sophomore year and we had gotten bumped and yeah. the other we were getting I think 50 points put up on us so it really I think you noticed it with I think probably my class and the class below me because we were the ones that really started off with you and were able to work through that whole thing I think that was the biggest benefit when we went from winning one game a year to and I know four games a year isn't a lot but from where we were at it was a huge boost and a huge jump oh and absolutely a lot of guys had bought in too yeah, absolutely. It was great because I think in the weight room, you're allowed to create a little bit of a culture, you know, a little bit, a little bit of, of a discipline. It's just not going there and start loading the bar up and, you know, get into this big old, yeah, you get rah, rah, but it's like, it's, it's safe and you're, you're learning. Hopefully you have a new respect for what it's like to be in there um, and as a weight room. And, and I remember always asking questions to a lot of the teams that I was working with was just like, Hey, who wants to go on to play college? And, you know, and all these hands would go up and I'm like, well, you know, it starts here, sadly, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you have to, once you take this serious, I said, and then I would always say, hey, all right, wait and see. Once you get to college and you meet a guy like me, it's going to be a different animal. So and then sometimes people would listen. Sometimes people would learn the hard way. And I get people that graduate and come back and like, uh, I probably should have listened to you a little bit sooner. I'm like, yeah, yeah you think, <laughs> you know, but that but that's all part of the learning curve, though. I, the best I can do is is teach, I just want to teach you guys how to navigate a weight room because I wanted you to still be able to do it post your athleticism. Meaning once you, you know, hey, if you're lucky enough, some of you guys go on to be pros, great. But if you're not, and you're going to go work a nine to five and you work 15 hours a day and you come home tired and next thing you know, you're, you're 40 and you got all these aches and pains. And, and um, you know, I wanted you guys to figure out how to make sure that this was a forever a, a lifestyle thing because it has been for me. You know, I'm 12. I probably maybe only missed a full month of training um, between the time I was 12 until to today exactly. Um, that was it, one month of training. And that was because my wife and I broke up and, and, you know, at the time when we were dating, she left me and I was a little sad. So I ate Snicker bars for about a month and then um, I got my crap together. <laughs> you know and then lo and behold we're married now 24 years but you know we were dating that that month killed me so i got i was out of the gym and then i was like you know what get your crap together boy get back in the gym <laughs> that's it though <laughs> no what you you talked about like that uh rah rah kind of strength coach what's your thoughts on that because you always see like on espn uh during like college football season always you see the the rah rah strength coach on the sideline or in the weight room what are because that's definitely not your approach, and I think it's it would have it would have felt very uh, unauthentic if you had kind of brought that to the weight room. Because like <laughs> we worked with you for so long, if you changed one day to be that where you're blasting music and jumping up and down and uh, trying to get in guys like get guys going, it would have just been so odd. I think it would have been a weird response from the athletes. I'm too I'm too much of an easy read. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I know, the youth are really good at reading adults. I'm learning that now. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm quiet too, man. It's just, you know, uh, listen, I love my music. 
you guys know, like even now in the weight room, I'm always like, all right, who's playing DJ? Because that first that first year, though, I was letting you guys play DJ. You almost got me in trouble because I remember I was out on my own. I had never really been. I was in the private sector, so I could play whatever I wanted to play as far as music. I mean, you go to Lightning, you hear what they play, right? So, oh. you know, it's it's just, you know, it's no old bard. So that first year that I was there, I was letting some of you guys, you know, man the music. And it was like, I had teachers coming in, like, uh, they can't listen. I'm like, why? What's wrong? They listen to it anyway. I didn't understand being in the school system. So, <laughs> so I, I, I had to, you know. Especially like we're, we were always lifting either after school or we were the only ones there yeah. in the summer. And yeah, it, exactly exactly so i didn't care and then sometimes you guys are taking your shirts shirts off outside and i'm like whatever dudes are listed like I, i'm pretty easy just do the correct form i don't care about all the other stuff whatever need whatever makes you feel comfortable i'm fine with but you know me not understanding that it is what it is so i don't know all that yelling and screaming and, and stuff like that i i do it to a certain degree meaning that if somebody if, if something's going on in the weight room and it upsets me i don't know if i've done it when you were there but I know I've done it recently where I stand up on a chair, cut the music. We all need to talk. And yeah. then we have our conversation. Like, you know, um, other than that, like you guys, you kind of spoiled me because I always tell everybody, I never had any problems in the weight room, like as behavior wise, there was no reason for me to, you know, be upset. But as far as the over enthusiasm, being on the sidelines and and like you see someone like the Oregon, you know, at the time, the Oregon coach and um, Ooh, the mustache. Uh, yeah, the guy with the mustache. The, and, North, the uh, Northwestern guy, too. The one, the one that wears the wicked tight shirt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and obviously down here in Alabama, he's not here anymore. But um, oh, yeah, actually pretty. But him I talking about it. I remember. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But that's it. Just everybody has their own style, their own flow. You know, what works for them is definitely not going to work for me. And and I'm plus, again, I'm in a weight room in high school. These guys, you know, are with, uh, you know, big old college men now or, or they're, uh, you know, some of the strength coaches, you know, uh, in, the, in the pros, you know, it is what it is, you know, but my audience is a little bit different. Um, and and I'm coming from member. I'm coming from a different approach. I want you guys to like the weight room. I don't want it to be an intimidating, intimidating environment with this big dude in there with wearing a medium shirt, yelling and screaming at everybody because I want kids to love the weight room. I want my female athletes to love the weight room because of my story, mm -hmm. you know? So I never did anything that was going to, you know, make me feel, make a kid feel like, um, I don't you want to go in there. Crazy. Yeah. And, and I have a motto, never kick a kid out of the weight room. You know, that's my motto. Um, I may even, I may have never said it out loud, but, um, I, 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 you know, again, my whole story sets the tone of how I am when I'm working with you guys, you know, and I don't need to be that way. You know, I, I get excited and I get enthusiasm. I'm very encouraging. Um, if any of you guys have seen some of my posts, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I listen, you know, so, that's that's the biggest thing for me. I don't I don't have to yell and scream and and grow crazy hair and have a funny mustache and all that other stuff, you know. I think the part you uh you did leave out about us taking our shirts off. It was never the uh the receivers and running backs. It was always the uh offensive linemen. We were the ones that were taking our shirts off and uh of course squatting <laughs> with our uh shirtless and our and our we would always roll our shorts up too. Uh, that was confidence, man. That's the way I looked at it. I'm like, come on, big lineman with the, you know, you weren't, you weren't the big old fancy ab people, you know, wanting to show their abs off. You guys were like, had confidence. You're like, whatever, we protect you guys. So, 
here you go. <laughs> now, when you work with, you've worked with multiple, at least that I know, like Rondell, uh, Wyatt, Kyle, you've worked with guys that are playing high level division one uh, athletics. When you see somebody that you've worked very closely with, especially even uh, Rondell was on the show. We talked about his ACL yeah. um, a while back and you worked with him through that. So what was like when you see a guy excel and play at a high level, what, what's that feeling like as a coach? Um, listen, I, I, I'm always coming from a humble place. Um, I always, listen, I love cars. I'm a car guy. And I always yeah. tell kids, I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm just a toolbox. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you can bring your car to a mechanic, but if he never opens up the toolbox, it's never going to get fixed. And, and I come from a mindset of, you know, you have to be willing to listen um, and you have to be um, open-minded and I'm just there to give you the tools. Now, what you choose to do with those tools is totally up to you. Mm -hmm. um, but I will bend over backward. I will go above and beyond. Um, I get text messages and calls and emails, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Hey, coach, can you look at this? If somebody's away, you know, my coach put this together for me. What, what do you think? You know, I'm like, hey, he's your coach. It's fine. You know, he's not going to do anything to hurt you. But, you know, listen to what he says. If, if there's you know, any advice that somebody needs at one o'clock in the morning, I'm, 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 you know, I'm pretty much an open book, you know, working with, seeing athletes that I have, you know, had an opportunity to be in the presence of, because that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's exciting for me, you know, listen, I didn't do a whole lot of work with Rondell, but Rondell played football with my sons and he was dragging kids when he was seven, like, yeah, yeah. you know, he played with Ty and, and he was seven, eight years old and, and it would take three, he would run with three kids on his back. So there were some kids that, you know, that I'm like, yeah, somebody's going to grab him once he gets in high school. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and Wyatt's Wyatt. He's just, you know. Wyatt, you, Wyatt is Wyatt. I think it's the best yeah, way to probably I, put it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I mean it respectfully because it's just like, you know, you he's so, he's that real, he's not the obvious athlete because he's just he's more cerebral to me than anything else. Like I look at him and he's like one big, tall, muscular brain walking. He looks goofy a little bit when you're looking at him too. Like if you, yeah, yeah. The, the curly hair he, and he's, he's a yeah. goofball too, but when he gets on the field or on the court, oh. it's a whole different story. Oh, it's a whole different story, but you know, he's, and honestly, <laughs> I think he was mad at me kind of when I first, either when he first, when I first got there and I put a time system in, like I had other teams coming in. So football needed to be in and they needed to be out. And I think at the time before I got there, you guys were so used to me. Um, you guys were so used to kind of just kind of ah, being in there, kind of do what you want, you know, or just, you know, you didn't really have a time limit. Yeah. But <laughs> I remember one year I put a time limit on. I was like, all right, football's from this time to this time. And then I have baseball and somebody else coming in. I think it was, might've been track, indoor track or somebody was coming in. And um, I why I was upset with me because I had I was like I know I have this no kick a kid out of weight room but I got forty other kids coming here so you got to go homie now if you don't mind I don't mind you coming back or if there's time you know you can but I think that kind of was a shock for him because he, I think he really liked being in the weight room he really yeah. needed to get some stuff done you know um, he was that quiet he's that quiet soldier where he was just getting in the work that he needed to get done to make himself successful which that's why he is where he is right now. And, um, but that first, that first acknowledgement of coach Bruce was like, Hey, yeah, football's done. Got to go. And he didn't finish. He was upset. <laughs> I do think the time limit probably came from, uh, 
the our squat days sophomore year. Us uh, just wow. like hanging out in the weight room, just kind of. You guys would squat for an hour, and I'm like, wait a minute, I got like six other exercises here. You guys are 40 minutes into your workout, and you guys in the first rack are still on your, like your third set. I'm like, what's going on? I mean, <laughs> are we powerlifters where you rest 15 minutes in between sets? <laughs> we thought we were at the time, I guess. I mean, you're you're a you're a, a 16, 17 year old kid, and you're. You, you think about it, you're like, oh, I need to take a break. Like, th- that's what the pros do. They, they take little breaks in between. And we were taking big breaks in between, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until I had to implement the, because uh, then you were like watching wrestling on the phone, you know, some of the wrestling mats that were coming up. You guys were watching stuff on the phone. And I was like, yeah, no, phones stay out in the hallway, y'all. Well, Chez brought his laptop into the oh, into the rack one day when um college wrestling was on the tournament. He had it. We were doing like rack pulls and we pulled the bar outside and then had the laptop sitting on the bench on the inside and so when we were doing our reps we could just watch it from there it was like me him and greg i think yes it was <laughs> <laughs> now you're at lightning fitness now like that's how we've kind of stayed together through since i graduated and uh that's how a lot of other athletes um coaches yeah. and parents have kind of they've stuck with you so what's the lightning group is definitely a diverse group, but it kind of all meshes together. Every you'll have a lot of people doing the same workouts and it's, but everybody kind of works together. It's a nice cohesive unit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like some of the kids, so the parents, they kind of do, they do a little mixed bag of their own. Um, some of the, like, I have a couple, you know, a couple of the infield kids, they're doing their kind of their own thing. And then I have the kind of the average, you know, I think there's a couple of kids that are, well, there is a couple of kids that are, that are basketball players and they do some of their own stuff too. The parents, I try to keep them in their, their little corner um, because they don't like to do some of the things that the kids do, even though they're perfectly capable of it yeah. uh, for the most part. But a lot of it is just kind of like, even under, it, for me, it's just teaching people that, you know, you're just trying to be fit. Um, yes, there are certain things that, athletes should do maybe versus the average person so my school teacher and my person that sells wine <laughs> the dad you know versus you know the the Westfield State girls basketball player yeah you know they should be doing totally different things but the mindset is that um, you're here to improve your fitness so can the wine person RDL just like the Westfield State girls basketball player? Yes, they need to be training hamstrings. And, mm-hmm. and I need to teach that to my adults as much as I need to teach that to my athletes. And I just actually started implementing RDLs with the freshman football team last week. And it's yeah. kind of okay, but there are some that just they don't know how to move through their hips. And everybody needs to move through their hips. I teach an over 60 weight training class at the hospital and they're doing a variation of an RDL. They're doing, so when you're a lightning fitness, you see a lot of strong men, they're doing carries. Well, my 75 year old does a suitcase carry. Now, is he doing it with, you know, 250 pounds in his hand or two, Good you know, or, or holding an 80 pound kettlebell in one hand? No, he's probably doing it with a 12 or 15 pound kettlebell, but that's challenging for him. <laughs> I usually just make him do the 250. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to find a way to do it. 
Exactly. Well, I show him videos from lightning. And he's like, Oh, I'm doing that. I'm like, yes, you're doing that. I mean, granted, you know, 200 pounds less, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, even at the high school when changing the programming around. So like you get all the coaches, okay, well, I'm, I'm cross country. So I'm going to cross country workout and I'm lacrosse. I'm going to do a lacrosse workout. I'm going to, I'm a hockey. So we're going to do hockey workout and football, football workout. No, 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 no training athletes. So, you know, the, the, the exercise in the weight room doesn't need to look like the sport, <laughs> you know, yeah. you need power. So you need to know how to move through your hips. You know, you need strong hamstrings because everybody trains quads, you know, you need to train upper back um, because everybody trains, train, trains chest for the most part. Um, and where do injuries come from? They come from a lot of people doing the exact same thing, which is everybody likes to bench. Everybody likes to do, you know, quad work. Nobody likes to do hamstring work. Um, so it's just understanding that and, oh, can we do hand cleans? Well, yeah, I'm starting to get away from that because it's too complex of a movement, not only for me to teach it, but for just somebody that has a training age of zero, meaning there's, they have no weight, weight room yeah. experience to try to teach them the bar, um, and, and even moving through the hip with the bar never mind such a complex movement, like the hand clean. Uh-uh. I can teach you power in other, many other different ways. It's a lot more fun to throw a medicine ball. I can derive the same, same results from having you chuck a medicine ball than I can to teach an Olympic sport, which is, you know, doing cleans. <laughs> I would have gotten away from the cleans when I was still in high school. That would have been nice. I'm, I've been trying to, but that was a battle because, you know, coaches like that because that's what everybody's technically supposed to be doing, yeah. you know? Um, and and right like, now, quote unquote, like the, that's the football workout you see everybody doing it and like the best players are always throwing around the biggest weight but like you, I, I agree with what you say if, if you get a freshman that's never lifted before even a senior that's never lifted before it's their first year playing a, a sport and them trying to do it with the bar they think at that point because it's so light that they can just like yeah. pull it up and like just get but it but it's about bar speed Unfortunately, and a lot of times you guys, when we were doing it, you guys wanted to load the weight up. And I'm like, what are you doing trying to do hand cleans with two and a quarter? Well, I can do it, coach. I can get, no, you're doing a very heavy reverse bicep curl. Yeah. Other than that, there's no hip movement at all. And you're doing a very, you know, upright row with, with two and a quarter. I it just, it was, just, I couldn't take it. So <laughs> it, was one of those hey, it, it was a pretty good upright row. It, it was yeah, a upright row yeah exactly <laughs> you know how many times i upright rows and you guys were trying to do bench press and i had to spy you guys i'm like no i want you to do five reps you're getting two reps and you have like, like 80 pounds on the bar more than you can do and you can barely get it off the rack and then i have to upright row it to save your to save your neck so i'll the bar <laughs> coach i appreciate you coming on I know you were nervous, but you did a great job. Um, Thank you. I, I was happy to get you on. We'll definitely, you'll be back on soon. But before yeah, I, got I, some, I got some, you know, this this whole new 50-year-old thing is uh, it's hitting me kind of hard, but I was telling you, we were talking, and, uh, but I got some things I'm working on, man. I, like I said, I started jujitsu a couple weeks ago, and um, my body got wrecked the other night, so that's not good. But um, I'm having fun with that, and there's a few other little things I would love to talk to you about, but once I kind of achieve them, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I know you've been you've been posting about it. You've been working on the the 500-pound deadlift, and... Yeah, I want, so I wanted 500-pound deadlift, um at on my birthday which was january 1st for when i turned 50 but okay didn't get that but i have until december 31st 2021 mm -hmm. a day before i turned 51 so i have all the way up until then to pull 500 
That's what I want to do. <laughs> one, <laughs> one, I guess once one. you pull that, we'll get you back on. That'll be the very next episode. So we can awesome. talk about that. And I, we were talking about the, the challenge you were going to do. So when you announced that you're going to do that, I definitely want to do a little video thing um, good. with that. But before I let you go, we always do this. With, I'm, I'm curious to hear a coach's perspective from it because um, we always ask athletes or anybody that's competed in a sport before um, you get three songs to listen to. I always say like before a game, like you've, you've got three songs before you go out on a field. What yep. are your three uh, lifting songs? Like the three that you could listen to just, you only get three that that's, I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's a tough one. Cause you're thinking about everything. Maybe the last thing you listen to, but that's not going to be in it. It's crazy. Uh, well, the problem is, is I know the songs in my head, but I don't know their names, but, um, I, I guess the best I can tell you artists, artist wise, maybe, maybe not the exact name of songs. I Most know. Okay. So, um, well, sadly, yes, DMX is one of them. Um, and, uh, and that's just not, I didn't just say that just because no, what DMX happens. Is the best for lifting. It's the. Yeah that and um some 80s um like you know i'll listen to van halen um i listen to um sadly i listen to journey I, like i listen to sometimes slow music while i'm lifting too um i think because me being when i was a competitive bodybuilder the part about it i loved was posing and i loved posing to more of the slower more dramatic type type music so if anybody has followed bodybuilding like back in the uh like the 90s like i was a big sean ray fan so like the music that he used to listen to lee labrata was another one so go look those guys up um and watch some of their posing that's the that's the type of music that i would listen to um megadeth has been in there um and oh coach flynn was just playing it uh i can't think of the name of the group oh uh what i used to listen to when, when my boys were small in the basement uh system of a down any of them that's oh, what I would yes while, while we were lifting so when when my boys were like you know eight seven, eight, and we'd be in the basement and I'd blast the music, drive my wife crazy. And it was all system of a down. Yes. System of a down is great. They're great. You could yeah. make a whole lifting playlist with just them. Yeah. And I did, I did. I just played, I put the album on loop and, or the CD on loop. And that's what I would listen to the whole time with blaring and driving my wife crazy with the boys yelling and screaming. So there you go. <laughs> now you said you're a Van, you're a Van Halen guy when you work out. Are you a Van, are you a David Lee Roth or a Hagar guy? What, what, what are you going with? David Lee Roth. <laughs> David Lee Roth. I mean, I like him. I like him. He's more of like a like a love song kind of guy when he's yeah. But listen, this was this this again. Middle school to me, back of the bus. It was you'd have the kids um, in the front of the bus were playing Van Halen and Journey. Um, you had us kids, other kids in the back playing. And obviously, you know how I'm separating it out by the music. Uh, Fat Boys, Run DMC. So you had the black kids playing. <laughs> Fat Boys, Run DMC, um, and a few other really crazy, you know, NWA, you know, because yep. you could play that in the back of the bus back in those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then Van Halen, Twisted Sister. So I grew up Van Halen, Twisted Sister, um, you know, Guns N' Roses. Uh, yeah, I listen to Guns N' Roses too. <laughs> it's a pretty good playlist. That's Oh, Metallica. Sorry. That's oh, on Metallica the list has to be on there. They've got, and especially because their songs are long too, like one yeah. Like an eight-minute yeah. song with oh, guitar solos. It's it's <laughs> one might have the best intro of any song I think I've ever heard. Where it's like yep. the battlefield, you hear the guys like faintly yelling the gunshots. It's a, it's like a minute of that. It's amazing. Great. Now I'm gonna go listen to it. 
<laughs> coach, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Instagram is what? At Strength Coach Bruce? Yes, at Strength Coach Bruce. Go Facebook. give him a follow. He's been po- he posts all his lifts, um, all the challenges he's doing, all his, the hopefully upcoming competitions and uh, different different stuff he's going to be doing. So go, go give him a follow. Um, but, yeah, expect to be hearing him back on sooner versus later when he pulls 500. So, yeah, absolutely. Coach, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your son's graduation. Um, and thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast. And stay tuned for our interview with Trey Breezy next week. Thank you. I check my bank account and that shit didn't have a minus sign. Bro, you won't believe this shit. My check engine light was off up in the whip.